We are live. Oh, so I'm still breathing. <laughs> I said live, not alive. Oh. You know what? I didn't get myself anything to drink. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. How dare you? I know. I wanted to eat milk and cookies. Oh. I'll still do it. I don't give a shit. <laughs> okay. Hopping on chance. Got that. Put that down. What's up, guys? What's up, Freaky? Hey, Freaky. Heather. Hey, Heather. No, the fire alarm just quit. Yeah, it stopped, so we didn't even go check. <laughs> <laughs> we just said screw it. Oh, how do I do this? How are you guys doing? No, I don't want to do that. Jesus. There we go. More. Sorry, We're doing okay, Heather. Getting everything situated. See, she goes live before she gets situated. Well, I can't do anything until I go live, so. Uh, I don't have to wait for you to go live. <laughs> See, I love Heather. She reminds me to tweet out. <laughs> oh, and I probably didn't even change the freaking titles. Probably didn't. Damn it. Hey, Greg, how you doing? Greg, how's it going, buddy? I probably didn't even change the Damn it all. <laughs> what are you going to do? What is going on? How is everybody? Oh, that one changed. Okay. What if Wednesday? So, no, it says Monday Musings. That figures. What's up, Anton? Hey, Anton. I don't know if I can change it now. Probably not. Yeah, I'm not going to even try. I'll probably end the broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know how it goes. I didn't turn on my light. Didn't do nothing. Hey, Andy. Ancy. Hey, Ansley. Yeah, what's up, Ansley? <laughs> yeah, sorry, guys. I didn't go live yesterday. I, Eddie ended up going live. Well, kind of. Kind of. Hi, Nicole. Hello, Nicole. So I have to tell you guys, I, I told Eddie this already, but it's so funny. As some of you know, I'm... I'm doing my forums um i'm putting stuff from my book of shadows into my forums and onto the forum and everything and uh it was funny because i was going through some of my notes and everything <laughs> and doesn't it say in there you know get ready turn off or shut the door so you don't get disturbed by anybody turn off your pager i was like i haven't had a pager since my you're the best 
Um, I got as much seen you all for ages. Well, okay, Facebook user. <laughs> How you doing, Jim? Hey, Jim. Hey, Facebook user. <laughs> it doesn't tell me your name, so. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing? Um. So yeah. Uh it says turn off your pager. So I'm like, oh my god, I haven't had a pager since my oldest is what? How old am I? 47. So she's 27, and I haven't had a pager since she was little. Shadows book of shadows must be a hugely extensive book. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I used to have seven books of shadows. Believe it or not. It's actually a sunny day here too, Jim, but it is chilly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still kind of baffled who Facebook user was. I don't know, unfortunately. Oh, hey, Drew. What's up, Drew? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, I thought I put that in there, but apparently I didn't. It doesn't. I don't know if it would. No. No. The <laughs> yeah, the Facebook user is hiding behind the book. <laughs> That's funny. And he says, don't mention the idea of more than one book of shadows, Missy. I just bought Nicole a new one. <laughs> ah, <laughs> yes, at one time, but I had binders. I used binders. But yeah, at one time I had seven of them for different things. You know, I kept my herbal stuff in one you know kept everything separated but my big one that i used all the time was i made it with binders kind of like the practical magic book you open it up and then you go to the back and then you can turn it around and there's another binder well, stapled into it jim if your dad i hope he doesn't get disappointed <laughs> i know well the northern lights have been active for the last couple of days there is a website that he can check out to let him know what day is going to be active. The best time to see it, too. Yeah. Thank you for the Ramones, Heather. Yeah. I appreciate that. Hi. I was going to say, how you doing? I already asked that. <laughs> we know how this goes in the mornings. Thank you so much for the Ramones. Yeah, mine's our binders. I have two journals, too. Yeah, yeah, I used to have um little wooden ones that I bought. Of <laughs> oh, my God, Andy. Hey, Patrick. Uh, hey, Patrick. Once a queen, always a queen, Nicole, but once a night is enough. <laughs> <laughs> but I used to have um journals that I used to have a lot of stuff. <laughs> But when I moved, I, I left it behind. But um, I used to have my journals were made out of wood. The the tops and bottoms of them. Which was really, really cool. Oh, what the fart? I know. What the fart? <laughs> you guys are something else. So today, as you guys know, is What If Wednesday. We have some really cool stories to talk about. First, we're going to be talking about the Flatwood, Flatwoods Monster. 
Then we're going to dive into the legend of the Black Shook. Then we're going to talk about something strange, talking about like mass hysteria or I don't know what you would call it. Um, and it'd be really cool if Ryan would come in here, my son Ryan, um, because he knows all about the story. He was going to school when this happened. But then we're going to talk about what happened to the girls in Leroy, New York. And then we're asking, were ancient Martians murdered by nuclear bomb-dropping aliens? And then, of course, you know, I keep calling them to me, but they don't come. We're going to be talking about freaky encounters with real men in black, and I knew they were evil. That's what they say. He he knew that they were evil. And then we're going to, of course, look at the UFO stalker, see how many... UFOs have been reported this week. Ryan will show up about two minutes before the end of tonight. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) He better be out walking Savannah. (laughs) I want my grandbaby here. (laughs) Walking all over the town of... Walking all over the town. That's what I did. That's what I went into... With a sister, I, I went into labor. Mr. Minster. <laughs> um, I went into labor walking around that town. Me and my cousin. She's like, come on, it's your due date. Let's go walk. And she ended up going into labor. <laughs> and I went to I'm, uh, went into labor on her due date, which was two weeks later. Thank you for the Thank ice creams, Patrick. Patrick. <laughs> Thank you so much. How far along is uh, Savannah? She's she's having Braxton Hicks. I forgot the due date. Oh, so she, she can be due any time. Yeah, she's she's right there. I think we passed her due date, if I remember right. I don't know. I can't. I don't want to say speculate, and then you'd be wrong. But I want my grandbaby here. Oh, really, Freaky Geek? My sister went through, went into labor walking through a flea market with her first child. <laughs> yeah, now Mr. You. Mixer can slow down now, though. Yes. This would be our second grandchild. <laughs> yes. I didn't know Facebook did that. It's pretty cool. What is Facebook doing? What's Facebook doing, <laughs> Drew? <laughs> <laughs> I'm nervous. I know. I'm kind of scared to ask. <laughs> What is Facebook doing? You never know with these platforms what they're doing and when they're doing it. It's kind of like asking Andy a question. You never know what kind of type of response you're going to get. We all know. (laughs) We all know that we don't know. (laughs) He needs two more. One for each wheel changing of the car truck. (laughs) Yeah, right? Baby. Yeah, well, you just keep you're holding. Gonna, you're going to keep holding, man. Okay, baby. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the ice cream. No, that's D-Live. Well, D, uh, Facebook does stars, though. Somehow does stars. You can give stars. Like, people on D-Live can do Facebook. Um, yeah, that's through Facebook. Or D-Live. Jesus. If you're not confused before, leave it to me to confuse you. <laughs> yeah, D-Live does the lemons, the ice creams, 
What else does it do, guys? The Ninja Guineas and the Ninja Jets. And Diamonds. <laughs> no problem, Jen. Welcome back. Welcome on. And it does a little. And it does those too. <laughs> the iMoon, the WTF. Yeah, Diamonds was the other one. I couldn't remember. Yeah, welcome back, Jim. All right. So, with that being said, let's go ahead and let me pull up these pictures of the, the Flatwoods. Oh, what the Fart. What the fart? I know. That's what I'm saying. Wow. Oh, thank you for Thanks, the diamond. Nicole. From all the confused people in the room. <laughs> thank you, Heather. That's so funny. Thank you, Nicole, for the diamond. Yes, that's the diamond portion of it. <laughs> hey, Terry. Hey, Terry. How you doing? But, yeah, my dad told me last night he was going to Alaska. That's pretty cool, Jim. Do you know what part? Jacob, how you doing? Oh, I got picks, Andy. I got picks. No, I'm joking. I don't. What's the BTT? There, It's like a Bitcoin thing you can donate. I don't know. I don't play around with it. Oh, Heather, she's like, I have to make up for yesterday. I know. Sorry that I didn't go live. I'm not seeing how I am. Hey, Jacob. Well. I know. I'm scrolling. I think I said hi to Terry, but I'm not sure. If not, hi, Terry. Did you say hi to Amanda? I didn't. Hi, Amanda. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm missing everything. See? I'll explaining the lemons and the diamonds and all that confused me so much that I didn't see Amanda come in. Thank you, Patrick, for the ice cream. <laughs> there we go. I'm all caught up now. I believe. I believe. I believe. Yeah, she also believes you can fly, but you, we know how that goes. I was going to say that in the beginning. I'm, <laughs> I believe I can fly. <laughs> That's not a good picture. You're the best around. You guys are amazing. And I'm so proud of myself because, believe it or not, I found out how to take down chat so I could do the full screen of. Oh no, I lost it now. Never mind. I lied. Oh, there it is. Okay, so I can share the screen. We're going to be talking about the Flatwood Mo Flatwoods Monster. Okay, so we're going to share the screen. Take down the chat. Put that down or put that up. Put this up. Does that look better like that? You can see it better? Yeah, a little bit. So that's the Flatwood Monster. Okay. 
that's what we're going to be talking about in the first story I have. Now i got to put everything back together again. <laughs> we know how this goes. We know how this goes. I, get, I just got to get used to everything with the restream. Now it's not going to work. Great. I really screwed it up. Damn it, I thought I had it. Man, it looks like a potato. I know. I <laughs> there we go. Okay, now it's catching up with chat. All right. That scared me. I thought I broke chat. That's the Flatwoods monster. That's what they... <laughs> it's like mad for condoms. Oh, my God. That looks like my dad, that monster. Oh, my God. You guys are bad. Do you see? So, a little after 7 p.m. on September 12, 1952... Three boys were playing football in the school playground in the small West Virginia town of Flatwoods when they saw something flash across the sky and land on the property of a nearby farmer. Sounds like the beginning of any number of alien invasion stories, right? <laughs> um, the story of what the boys saw that night would go down in history and put the tiny town on the cryptozoology map to this very day. What exactly the boy saw is up for, it's up to, for debate. Even amongst cryptozoologists, it goes by many names, including the Braxton County Monster and the Phantom, Phantom of Flatwoods. It's in home county of it's in a home county of Braxton, and it's sometimes known as the affectionate name of Braxy, but it's most commonly called Flatwoods Monster. Two of the boys on that football field were brothers, the children of Kathleen May, and before long they had recruited their mom and several other other kids to undertake the expedition to go and find the unidentified flying, or in this case, falling, object. Six children in all, ranging in ages from 10 to 17, and a dog accompanied, accompanied by Miss May, was out to find a creature that would go down in history as the Flatwoods Monster. And then just wonder, is, Bra is Braxton in Ontario? No, it's in West Virginia. At least this Braxton is in West Virginia. So as they crested a hill on the property where the boys had seen the object go down, they saw a pulsating red light. This was their first indication of trouble. The oldest boy, 17-year-old Gene Lemon, a member of the West Virginia National Guard, told investigators and the ufologists that he shined the flashlight in the direction of the glow, which is how the group saw the monster. Descriptions of the monster vary depending on which of the seven you ask or who is doing the retelling of their accounts. But in general, the Flatwood monster was described as being taller than a man with a round red face and dark green body. Catherine May described the creature as having small claw-like hands that extended in front of it, a lower body that looked like pleated or pleated folds or drapes of fabric, and a sort of hood around its face that resembled the ace of spades. All, all of these elements would later become fairly standard in depictions of the Flatwood Monster. 
The somewhat jumbled nature of the witness's description of the creature can perhaps be forgiven since as soon as they turned the flashlight upon it, the monster made a sound that was something between a hiss and a high-pitched squeal, and it glided towards the assembling assembled throng. Terrified, Lemon dropped the flashlight and all of them ran, which I'm sure any normal person would. (laughs) Shortly after the sheriff and deputy came from investigating a report of a downed airplane, which was probably actually the same fiery shape in the sky, which the boys had spotted, and not a plane at all, they investigated the scene but found nothing. No flying saucer, no monster. The following morning, the editor of the Braxton Democrat visited the site where he discovered skid marks in an odd gummy deposit. In the, in the field. In years since, true believers had tried to tout these findings as proof of UFO landing. Though Joe Nickel of the Committee for Skeptical Inquiry interviews locals as part of the investigation to the Flatwood, Flatwood Monster in 2000 and was told that the landing evidence was actually left by a 1942 Chevy pickup belonging to one Max Lockhart who had been driving out to investigate the spot during the night. In his ensuing article, Nickel also explained away the rest of the legends surrounding the Flatwoods monster. The pulsing red glow he attributed to one of the three airplane navigation beacons visible from the hilltop, while the unidentified flying object was, he argued, actually just a meteor. In fact, a meteor that had been visible that, that night across three different straight states, including West Virginia. As for the monster itself, by Nichols' estimation, the kids and Kathleen May saw in the field that night was nothing more sinister than a barn owl per- perched on a branch. Now they can get big. Oh yeah, and they like if they like has any have you guys seen when you lift up the feathers of an owl, the legs on that thing? Mm-hmm. They're pretty freaky. Let me see if I can pull one up here. Like, they look like very, it's very weird. <laughs> it's, I guess it's very weird because you can't, you've never, you don't usually see it. Do you know what I mean? I know I'm going to have to make this way bigger. There we go. All right, here we go. We're going to lose Chad again. <laughs> well, you'll lose it. Well, true, yes. No, on the screen, I mean. Okay. Then what you got? Frog legs. I know. (laughs) (laughs) It's very weird, right? No wonder Al's got the look on his face the way you go, like, what the hell are you doing? Right. (laughs) (laughs) They're very weird. I mean, I don't know what, like, without somebody pushing the feathers away, I don't know if they could, you know, do something that you see them do. You know what I mean? Like, 
I don't know if they can do it automatically themselves. Probably. But it's some freaky shit to look at. <laughs> Not going to lie. So, I said, hey, man, stop showing off the, <laughs> off the wedding tackle. <laughs> Not much meat on them legs, right? Bojangles the owl. <laughs> Sexy legs, Nicole said. Woo-woo! <laughs> so that's what he thinks. It's just, it was a owl on a branch. Um, it explains the shape of the creature's head, the small claw-like hands, and even the creature's hissing, squealing, and gliding motion. The green body could have simply been underbrushed beneath the limb, while the reddish glow of the head could be a reflection from those same airplane navigation beacons. I wish they had a picture of where the beacons were to where the crash site was. Right, in reference to it. Yeah. Oh, no, what happened? Oh, okay. Hola, Facebook user. I don't know if that's still Drew. I don't think it's Drew saying hola. <laughs> I've been chased by too many owls, so when I see one, I run. I know the feeling. I got attacked. <laughs> yeah. That goddamn thing was huge. So what do you guys think? Could the Flatwood Monsters have been something simple as an owl in the tree? For some, Nichols' explanation more than fits the bill. Others prefer to continue to believe in the existence of Braxy. Regardless whether the flat monster, Flatwoods monster was real or just a figment born of panic and excitement, the, the effect of the monster sighting on the local community is very real. And of course, today you can buy toys, T-shirts, posters, and all sorts of memorabilia, memorabilia, when you drive into the small western Virginia town, you greeted with a sign that says, Welcome to Flatwoods, home of the green monster. Hey, Pickles. Hey, Pickles. How you doing? Well, yeah, that's what I'm thinking about, Andy. Andy says, um, don't know what or even it was, but mistaking an owl for something as big or bigger than a man. Yeah, I definitely think... It, there was something more to it. I think they would, even being scared, I think they would know. Well, I mean, owls do scare you. I'm not going to lie. Only when your wingspan like eight foot. <laughs> but I think when you're expecting something to crash, even something that, I don't think they were thinking UFO right away. Do you know what I mean? Just something crashed. But did they even say that they found any kind of debris or anything? No. That's a little odd then. Right. Ostrich with serious identity problem, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> that could be too. <laughs> Owls are cool. I don't know. They, 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 the way they, they can't. They, it's not right that they can turn their head like that. <laughs> He's like, that's not normal. That's not cool. I had an owl sit on top of a patrol car one night, even with the lights flashing. LOL. They're not scared. They're not scared of fucking anything, I don't think. 
the one that came out of the tree, man. It was it was the best, though. It really was because I've never seen anybody jump up and duck down at the same time. And I'm trying to clear a damn mud puddle. <laughs> I know, but to see him get scared, he very rarely gets scared of anything except spirits. But um, <laughs> I ain't even afraid of them anymore. I know, true. But to see him get scared definitely was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I I have to admit, it was just awesome. <laughs> Sorry. My cat thinks she's an owl. Does that count? Yeah, there you go. She'll even tilt her head and chin up at you. Trip Chirp. up at you. That's Chirp. funny. Chirp. My chin. I know. I, I corrected myself. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Andy. Missy just attracts sea lions out of water. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. There's a Pennsylvania community studying those Bigfoot creatures on one of the beaches in here. You get you can't be telling me about Presque Isle. Presque Isle Bay. Eddie grew up in Erie VA. <laughs> Born and raised. See Eddie scream like a girl and run. No, I didn't scream. No, he didn't scream. He said, What the fuck? Yep. So I'm guessing it was probably down by Beach 11, 12, 13 area in that wooded area down in that way. <clears throat> That's cool. Right? Uh, what the fart? See, you could have, look at all the opportunity you could have had, Eddie. I mean, growing up, you weren't into Bigfoot, but you know. Beach six. Oh, so it was about a mile or two. We went to the entrance. Yeah, I was born at Hammond Hospital. <laughs> so the next story we have is what happened to the girls in Leroy? Leroy, New York, is basically. I say I grew up there, but I didn't really. Um, all my cousins lived there, <laughs> lived there at one time or another, and that's where I hung up. That's where. I st- that's where I hung out. That's where I spent most of my childhood, that in Caledonia. So when this happened, Ryan, my son Ryan, went was going to the school, and I wish he would pop in. Because oh, I, what the I fart? know. Kids never do what they want them to do. <laughs> hey, Blue. How you doing, Blue? Um, no, he's uh, getting uh, Andy's way more. He had girls inside of him. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know what? I don't even mind jokes like that. I really don't. Um, as long as you don't call it Leroy. Everybody that doesn't live there calls it Leroy, and it's not Leroy. It's Leroy. Anyway, um, <laughs> so before the media vans took over Main Street, before the environmental tester came to dig up the soil, before the doctors came to take blood, And before strangers started knocking on doors and asking question after question, Katie Kerwurst, a high school cheerleader from Leroy, New York, woke up from a nap. Instantly, she knew something was wrong. Her chin was jutting forward uncontrollably, and her face was contracting into spasms. She was still twitching a few weeks later when her best friend, Thera Chanson, and I probably butchered it, even though I, I... 
these names. I don't know these names. Um, captain of the school's cheerleading squads awoke from a nap, stuttering, and then later started twitching, her arms flaring, flailing, and her head jerking. Hi, Pammy. Hey, Pammy. Two weeks later, after that, Lydia Parker, also a senior, erupted in ticks, in arm swings and hums. The word got out around that Chelsea Delmars, another cheerleader, who recently moved into the town, was making the same strange noises, the same strange movements, leaving school early on days that she could, couldn't make it to class at all. The numbers grew, 12, then 16, then 18, in a school of 600. And as they swelled, the ranks of the sufferers came to include a wider swath of Leroy High School hierarchy. Girls who weren't cheerleaders. Girls who kept in themselves and had studs in their lips. There was even one boy and an older woman aged 36. Parents wept as their daughters stuttered at the dinner table. Teachers shut their classroom doors when they heard a din of outbursts. One cry triggered another, sending the increasingly familiar sounds ricocheting through the halls. Within a few months, as the camera crews continued to descend, the community barely seemed to recognize itself. One expert after another arrived to pontificate about what was wrong in Leroy, a town of 7,500 in western New York that had long prided itself on the things it got right. The kids here were wholesome and happy, their parents insisted, cheerleaders and honor students, as one father said, products of a place that, while it's not perfect, was made up more of what was good about a small-town America than what was bad. Hence why I, you know, I'm a good girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of sounds like the illness called rickets. I don't know what that is. Freaky. But I'll, I'll definitely check it out. Now, through the girls, withering and stuttering suggested something troubling, either arising from within the community or being perpetrated on it, a mystery that provided irresistible for onlookers, those whose attention would soon become part of the story itself. Leroy's East Main Street displays an impressive row of Grand Victorians and Federalistic-style houses built in the 19th century, testament to the flour mills and salt mines that made the town a comfortable place to live. After that came the Jell-O. Yes, Jell-O was discovered in Leroy, New York, or manufactured in Leroy, New York. My father was a foreman for the Jell-O company. Anyway, after that... Isn't that Tourette's? Yes. But I think Ricketts is something else, though. I mean, maybe not. After that, Jell-O came here came the Jell-O years, when the company that and several other employees, thousands of people to work in the area. But Jell-O and most of the rest of the factories took their work elsewhere by the 1960s. And now a good number of those historic homes have been divided into two or three family rentals with peeling paint and rows of crooked mailboxes inside the foyer. Some houses look so beaten down by the weather and despair that it comes as a surprise to see the light on the inside. I don't know what, well, I know a couple streets that there's like one or two streets that have 
bad houses. But anyway, Leroy is a working class community with good schools that attract people who work in the nearby Rochester. But it is also a manufacturing town whose prosperous days are behind it. The kind of place where local politicians are always talking about how to bring the good or bring back the good old days. Katie Crotworst and her family lived in this one of the stately, well-preserved homes in town, a home her mother's ancestors built. And that's another thing. Usually, if you're in Leroy, like, you are related to somebody. Its porch, now decorated with semicircle American flag banners and a child's antique sled. At the top of the winding staircase is Katie's room, a pink and yellow perch, where she and Thera sat talking one late February afternoon. The girls go grew close a few years ago when they met through cheerleading and realized they both had a crush on the same guy. <laughs> How weird is that? Thera asked, her voice going loud and eyes growing wide. Thera speaks in italics and underlines. Katie, by contrast, so is so reserved that going, she could be mistaken for nonchalant. And as they talked, Thera was idly going through Katie's walk-in closet to see what was new. Katie's face showed a quick spasm, a twitch, every few minutes. Subtle enough that you might miss it if you weren't looking. Thera had a bruise on her left leg from where she had fainted the evening before and landed on her bedside table. Okay, Pickles. Hurry back, Pickles. Um, On the afternoon when Katie first started twitching, she was at her boyfriend's house. When the symptoms worsened, her mother called her mother who told, told them to call an ambulance and meet her at the emergency room at, in Rochester. Paramedics strapped Katie to the stretcher. Then I, couldn't, then I couldn't twitch, so it made it even worse, and I was freaking out even more, she said. Doctor said the hospital told Katie and her mother that she was having anxiety attacks. Katie was a straight-A student who admits she can be a little anxious or have a little anxious, be a little anxious at times, but her system... Her symptoms persisted, so she and her mother went back to the same emergency room a few days later. This time, Katie's mother, Beth Miller, a nurse, insisted that they conduct more elaborate tests. After seven hours of testing that included an MRI, blood panel, the doctor told Miller that what she already knew, her daughter had tics. Katie was still twitching when she saw it there early the next week in the air class, and they were talking. I was really weirded out, Thera said. I got upset, really upset. When a few weeks later, Thera's symptoms came on, she and Katie did not connect the events. A lot of people have tics, Katie said, as she thought at the time it was just something girls got, like cramps or cold. It's true that tics are not that uncommon. One in a hundred high school students experience them one time or another. Last summer, Katie played soccer with two girls that were displaying tics on and off for more than a year. One of them was diagnosed with Tourette's. When doctors told Dara's mother, Melissa Phillips, that her daughter's tics were stress-related, she went along with it. She told me, I know she was a huge heart and she's wound tight. Dara had an episode of tics three years ago, but when Phillips learned the other girls were coming down with similar symptoms, she began to wonder if this was more than just stress. Well, what did I say? Yes, I said tits. That's what I said. 
Oh, my God. So by mid-January, the number of known cases was around 12, and the parents eagerly awaited the preliminary results of an investigation by the New York State Department of Health. But at the community meeting where the results were to be announced, officials said it's out of difference to the patient's privacy. Their diagnosis could not be revealed. They did try to assure the crowd that the school's environment was safe, but the air quality tests they performed left a number of parents unsatisfied, including Katie's mother and stepfather, Don Miller. <laughs> Five days after the meeting, Katie, Sarah, and their mothers all of them photogenic and sympathetic, appeared on the Today Show. So they went on and told him about it. So on the show, Katie's tics seemed under control, but Thera's were extreme. She jerked her head to the side and swung her arm across her body and occasionally stuttered over a word before making a guttural cry. She looked impossibly brave for showing herself in that state on national time. I mean, and that's tough for a teenage girl. I don't care if you're a cheerleader or not. Well, yeah. That's tough to go on, you know, something very going on like that. You know what I mean? Something very um, out, out of the ordinary that you don't normally do when you're not used to going on national TV like be that. embarrassing. Yeah. I was always so active and everybody always happy to be around me, she said, in fits and starts, but I don't feel like myself anymore. So the story took off very quickly, not just on local national news, but on Facebook, autism blogs, and sites devoted to mental health and environmental issues. The day after Katie and Thera appeared on the Today, on Today, a neurologist in Buffalo whose practice had seen many of the girls, was given the green light to speak about the diagnosis. It was converse, con, conversion disorder, he said, which meant the girls were subconsciously converting stress into physical symptoms. And because so many students were effect, affected by this, it was considered to be a mask psychogenic illness, which is in another way of saying mass hysteria. Hey, aliens. Hey, aliens. How you doing? And you got a good point about the cheerleaders getting sick. Did anybody, uh, you know, see what they're spraying on the grass? That would explain a lot, but it, it extended past the cheerleaders that. Yeah, it went, it went, affected other people as well. Um, too many parents, the diagnosis was woefully inadequate, even insulting. It's a hard pill for me to swallow. What are we, living in the 1600s? The guardian of one of the girls said, besides, kids are always stressed, and some of these kids may have been less stressed than most. On CNN, James DuPont, the father of an affected girl, said a lot of these kids were just, you know, having a happy, normal life. My daughter hasn't had any trauma. She was happy going along. She was happy as can be. Long before any teenager started twitching the count conversion or the conversation at the coffee shop in town or the counter at Jim, Jim, <laughs> the counter at Jim DuPont's television repair shop, which has been there forever and a day, would turn from time to time to speculation about what kind of waste Leroy's manufacturing plants might have left behind. Some of the older residents remembered that they could always tell what flavor the Jell-O factory was producing on a given day based on the color of the water at Wacka Creek. What else? 
they wanted got dumped in Leroy. Beth Miller suspects that there was a cancer cluster on the streets where she once lived in Leroy. She and several of her neighbors have been stricken with tumors. They thought that about Caledonia, too, that the yeah. waters back in the day um, was cancerous. I don't know what, obviously nothing came out of it, but. And early on, she suspected that Kitty's symptoms might have something to do with the environment as well. Not long after she started pursuing these leads, someone placed under her doormat documentation about a train accident near Leroy in 1970 in which tens of thousands of gallons of toxic chemicals were spilled into the soil, including trilithoroneline, a solvent that had been linked in high levels of exposure to nervous system damage, among other things. This is what cool. This is what threw Leroy on the map. Three months into Katie's illness, Miller contacted Aaron Brockovich. I'm sure some of you, welcome back, Pickles. Welcome back. Um, have seen the movie Aaron Brockovich. That's the actually, one they're talking about. Actually, based on that situation. Yeah, not on the situation, on her well, life. The person, yeah. Yeah. She, um, the environmental activist played by Julia Roberts in the film of the same name. Brockovich sent a team of Leroy, to Leroy to test the soil on the school grounds. Theorizing that the school might have been built on earth, trucked in for the contaminated site, which would make sense because the high school there is a newer school. It used to be all bunched together in one school. And then they branched out, basically. We don't have all the answers, but we're suspicious, Brockovich told USA Today. They have not ruled out everything yet. On Saturday, January 28th, Brockovich's team, accompanied by a crew from CNN and a handful of other reporters, arrived at the Leroy High School to perform the test, only to find members of the local police waiting to escort them off the property. The mood in Leroy already tense, now it's changed with anger. I tell you that usually in a setting or situation like this, when I'm confronted by officials barring access to something, they usually have something to hide, said Bob Valkoff, one of Brockovich's testers. In the days that followed, a group of residents made their way to the site of the former spill to compare notes and to see what they were, uh, see what there was to see. I'm very angry, says Robin Horn, a mother of four. I mean, what are they trying to hide? They wouldn't let, let them take a bit of soil. The Batavian, a local online newspaper, posted a poll yesterday. Are you confident Leroy schools are looking out for the best interests of the students? Out of 1,600 people who responded, 67% no. Well, mercury and lead will attack the nerves. Yeah. Yes, she is freaky. That same i feel the same this she he's he's like the lady is still working as a lawyer today as far as i know i believe she is too um so on the first saturday morning in february five months into the crisis there was another community meeting kim cox the school superintendent stood before the town's parents and faced hostile questions about a host of environmental concerns natural gas wells on school property toxic waste cleanup sites within a few miles and sticky orange substance oozing out of playing fields. 
What are you doing to protect our children in the school now? Cox offered her best assurance that the environmental testing had already been done and that no known environmental toxin, the country's best experts agreed, would cause these particular symptoms or account for the affliction affecting almost exclusively teenage girls and not boys or teachers or any other staff members. A small woman in the audience stood up and began to shout, you guys need to prove it to us. Is it safe for my daughter to be in the school? The superintendent tried to respond, but the woman pointed her finger and said, no, I'm done listening to you. And Thank you for hosting, Pickles. Thank you, Pickles. That's so awesome. Thank you so much, hon. I appreciate it. Then she stormed out of the room, a man with a video camera hustling after her. Right around this time when Brockovich started appearing in the news and everyone talking about toxins and trust in the local officials was at an all-time low. The neurologist in Buffalo who were treating some of the girls stating seeing their parents seeing their parents condition their conditions worsened. Which is understandable, you know. Um the patients who had been improving were suddenly in his office crying. This chemical on my hands and I'm damaged for the rest of my life. Doctors also seen an increase in cases which they attribute to sensational coverage and increased stress. As more girls got sick, the story got bigger. And then the more girls got sick. So it kept snowballing, basically. Um... Like everything else in high school, the girls' symptoms were broken down by status. There were kids who were really sick, and then kids who illnesses with psychological, and then the kids who were faking it, so they could get on the news. No matter how many times the doctors explained that these symptoms were real, something the girls could not control, the finger-pointing persist. One mother even went on Facebook to publicly accuse her daughter's best friend of faking before apologizing the next day. If they're faking it, I'd like to know how they can cause it, said Dave Watson, guardian for one of the affected cheerleaders. It's not like any one movement is exaggerated than the next. It's pretty damn consistent. I like someone explain to me how they could walk around all day and do this consciously. That would be kind of difficult. Right. Congress, conversion disorder presents something of a paradox in that it engages some voluntary pathways in the brain, which is experienced by patients who as wholly involuntary. One study found overlapping but distinctly, distinctly different brain activity in patients' diagnosis with conversion disorder and patients asked to fake the same illness. In the case, a limp ankle suggesting more complex mental activity in patients with the conversion disorder. The very notion of what makes a movement feel voluntary or whether movement actually are voluntary or feel that the results that some post-HOC coordinating that happens in the brain is another physical, physical, physiological that ain't it, and neurological question. So, 
Part of what is baffling about Leroy the Leroy case is it seems that combined two equally poorly understood phenomenon, conversion disorder and mass psychogenetic illness. Jennifer McGig, a doctor at Dent Neurology Institute in Buffalo, who has seen 14 patients from Leroy, neither Kate nor Thera is her patient, has said that the most of them are dealing with serious stressors or trauma. You're the best. Paul Stantman, world-renowned mycologist, cured his stuttering. Oops, shit. With a massive dose of magic mushrooms. Well, yeah, well, you know, if that happened to my kid, I wouldn't be given a massive much doses of massive mushrooms. I don't know. That's just me. So, and this is where I wish Ryan was here again because my son Ryan is because like I said, he was going to the school when this happened. This happened, I think he was a senior when it happened. Wasn't he, honey? Either junior or senior. Yeah. And um, I know when I asked him, what's going on? What do you think it is? Is it something wrong? Oh, my God. They got a picture of the Wiss Hotel. Um, anyway... <laughs> Sorry. Um, He said that some of them were faking. I am a mean mom. (laughs) He's like, Andy's like, you wouldn't give your kids psychedelics, Missy? Man, you're a mean mom. I am. That's a a saying. I wouldn't do it, though. Hey, now. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, whatever. We all know about that. <laughs> but, I mean, I can understand the testing and everything like that. But, I mean, there's a lot, you know, I grew up there, like I said. I was in that town, you know, one of my cousins ran a pizza shop in that town. So, I was constantly at the pizza shop getting paid to full boxes. <laughs> so, I could run over to either get a slice of pizza for doing it or get quarters, run over to the arcade to play games. Um, and like nobody has ever had problems like that before. I don't know, you know. There are some girls that I believe still have it going on today. They never found out the cause, Patrick. No. They never found out the cause, and no, there's like no new accounts of it, at least from what I've heard. There's no new accounts of it. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a crazy situation. Like I said, Ryan himself, when I asked him about it, said that most of them were faking. Um, but again, I don't know. Well, even some of the doctors said that they're few of them were faking it. Right. Andy said my my sister forbade me from giving my brother in law psychedelics to help him with his dementia. Um, creates a neural pathway to the brain and the lion and the lion's mane. One reduces plaque on the neurons too. Right. 
totally understand that. But yeah, I mean, it was a crazy situation going on there. And I just thought I'd share with you guys how mass hysteria, though, sometimes can affect people. Um, all that good stuff. <laughs> Well, no, you know, I'm not going to lie. Like, I've, I've smoked pot to reduce my anxiety. Um, I can't anymore because of my lungs. They're like, no, you're lucky we allow cigarettes. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, um, which helped. I mean, especially in this job. Um, or any, I would say any, you know, customer service job. But, so I can imagine psychedelics, really, well, I couldn't do them while I was at work. I can't smoke pot and go to work. We all well, know what happens there. <laughs> Missy gets paranoid. Um, she done tried that once. Done, yeah, did it once, we'll never do it again. Right, I, when that's the one, one thing everybody knows about you, Andy, that info was science-based, not just trippy hippie based lol we know we know you're not going to put anything out there just you know what i mean uh, we know you're smart and that you study and you know you're not going to just put anything out there that's bs well they could put somebody in serious medical trouble right so you're all good that way andy we know that all right on to the next story. We're ancient. We're ancient. <laughs> we're ancient Martians murdered by nuclear bomb dropping aliens. That's a mouthful in itself, anyways. Yeah, that is a mouthful in itself. What do you guys think? <laughs> Andy said, I would never put anything out there, not when I can have it for myself. Let's see. Oh, sorry. Were you talking info? <laughs> so, as far as we can tell, right, Mars is a desolate-looking desert with no obvious life. Sure, there may be still microbes there, but I think it's safe to say that there is not an advanced civilization living on the red planet. But was it always that way? Did Mars once host a bustling civilization that perhaps was capable of nuclear warfare? Let's check in with some conspiracy theorists to find out. Uh, maybe got lost somewhere. <laughs> oh no, where did you get lost to, Amanda? <laughs> there is a very large scar on the surface of Mars. Interesting. Interesting, Patrick. I, I've never really studied the planets that that much. I mean, you know, just what I've talked about here and there. But I've never really, like, went and looked at the picture. I mean, I do look at the pictures, out-of-space pictures, but, um, you know what I mean, Marvin the Martian. She had no idea where she got lost at. <laughs> I've never done that. <laughs> Um, they think it may have been a laser, large laser-like weapon. 
that's what this could be about. I don't know. I'm sharing it with you guys as well as I am finding out. So there's are literally hundreds of buildings, building ruins in the in a few of NASA's panoramic images. What has happened on Mars? Was it nuclear war? Or perhaps asteroids hit it? The fact of the matter is that there are many pockets of living humanoids all over Mars, he wrote on YouTube, showcasing some of the these building ruins. Let's put let's just put this out there. This is one of the fringiest of fringe conspiracy theories out there. Andrew um just a wee bit off his rocker, but he didn't randomly make up the idea that there was civilization on Mars and that there, um, that it could have died in a nuclear war. For that, let's take a look at an expert from, or excerpt, yeah, from Did Spaceman Colonize the Earth, a book published by Rollin Collins in 1976. Earlier in the following passage, Collins argues that there certainly were nuclear explosions on Mars. It is difficult to imagine a nuclear explosion on Mars that was not deliberately caused, Colin writes. It is likely that the explosion was made for some constructional purpose. Thus, the nuclear observations can serve as one of the proofs of the favor of, of existence of rational life on Mars. Pseudoscience and wild conjuncture are fun, but John Bradenburg, a plasma physicist who got his degree from UC Davis, oh, he got his UC from UC Davis, got his degree from UC Davis. I'll get it right one of these times. And who has seemingly had relatively normal distinguished career for a scientist has staked his reputation on theory that Martian life was perhaps purposely destroyed with nukes. Andy said, I don't think so. If we let the, off the whole nuclear arsenal of the world at the present, it would create half the energy of the one-fourth mile wide meteor or asteroid, even if it airbursts. Without testing the soil, how can some so-called scientists claim that he can prove there was nuclear explosion on another planet? I don't know. That's a very good question. <laughs> All right, Patrick, hurry back. Was Mars murdered? He muses in a book about theory. Yeah, I haven't heard anything. I've heard about the water just drying up, and that's what caused the planet itself to just dry up. Right. In an oddly disconcerting interview with the Supreme Master Television, a thorough, thoroughly bizarre station run by the Supreme Master Qinghai International Association cult, Brandenburg notes that the Mars had two ancient humanoid civilizations called Sidonia and Utopia. Now, heard of Utopia. Isn't that a moon? I think so. I don't know. Which had a level of technolo um, technology similar to that of ancient Egyptians. What happened to those Martians, Nukes says? Oh, I see. Never mind. What happened to those Martians, Nukes, he says? Two great disasters happened on Mars, he told Supreme Master TV, pointing to Utopia on the map. One here 
And then the asteroid impact happened here, and Sidonia was right between them. That puzzle, that's puzzling. Why would so many bad things happen in one area of Mars that just so happened to have archaeological, archa, yeah. God, I'm having a bad day. Sorry, guys. Um, archaeology on it. That was back in 2011. Since then, Brandenburg has decided that both disaster disasters were nukes and possibly natural <coughs> nuclear explosions that could have been caused by some cosmic weirdness like asteroids hitting radioactive material or something like that. Today, however, he has upped the ante. This weekend, he's going to present a new research at a meeting of American... Um, I don't know what that word is, society that he proposed. He proves that we're indeed nuclear explosion on Mars and that they're constant with nuclear bomb airburst, meaning that there's no possible way these were natural. Hey, Scoops. Hey, Scoops. He said in a statement emailed to me that evidence he's found is consistent with mixed fusion fission explosions. I am tongue-tied. <laughs> I'm always tongue-tied, Amanda. <laughs> You can have the comfort I felt from the caramel getting in my kitchen. Oh, that was to Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think he was uh, saying that to the crowd. Yeah. Nice of you to share that information, though. Yeah, you know, no problem. <laughs> it's worth noting that the other sessions of the meeting appear to have well-regarded university researchers from all over the world presenting experimental particle physics results and things of that nature. So I, I have to say that Brandberg's research, which certainly does not appear to be peer-reviewed, appearing alongside that is pretty weird. Here's, in his case, set to be published in the Journal of Cosmology and Astrophysics, a journal that published a study about the Big Bang being a hologram. So now, welcome back, Patrick. Welcome back. So it says, the high concentration of Xenon-129 atmosphere, the evidence from the Krypton-80 and the detected patterns of excess abundance of uranium and thorium on Mars' surface, relative to Mars' meteorites first seen by the Russians, and now confirmed by the Mars Odyssey spacecraft gamma-ray spectrometer, means that the surface of Mars was apparently the site of a massive radiological events, which created large amounts of signature isotopes and covered the surface with a thin layer of radioactive debris enriched certain elements relative to subsurface rocks, or subsurface yeah, subsurface rust. Shut up, computer. This pattern of phenomenon can be explained as due to two large anomalous nuclear explosion on Mars in the past. Uh, Andy said, Petra said, yes, I've heard that. Andy said, as Mars don't have much of an atmosphere to protect it from the sun, it will likely have all sorts of Crazy radioactive readings. That's true. 
That's true. So there's the theory. And reading that, it's possible until you get to the last line to think that, hey, here's a scientist who thinks something weird happened to Mars. The idea of it being naturally occurring nuclear explosions on a planet that has radioactive elements on it hasn't completely been completely ruled out by NASA after all. But then, while he's presenting published quasi-scientific research suggesting that these were anomalous and not natural. If that's not clear enough, maybe the description of the title of his upcoming book, Death on Mars, The Discovery of Planetary Nuclear Massacre, will drive it home. Or we can just read the conclusion to his paper, a preprint version of which he shared with the article um, writer. Given the amount of nuclear isotopes on Mars' atmosphere resembling those from hydrogen bombs tests on Earth, Mars may be present or may present an example of civilization wiped out by nuclear attack from space, he wrote. It is possible with Fermi paradox means that our interstellar neighborhood contains forces hostile to young, noisy civilizations such as ourselves. He added, such hostile forces could range from all things as aliens, as AI, with grudge against flesh and blood. As in the movie Terminator, all the things are sadly familiar to use in a mindless humanoid bureaucrat like Governor Tarkin in Star Wars, eager to destroy planet Alderaan as for an example to other worlds. It is, of course, worth noting that no high-profile scientists have given any credence to all this in his theory. To gauge whether Bradenberg's thoughts have gained any traction with conspiracy theories, I hunted around for their reactions to his earlier work. And this is what I came across. Uh, Patrick said that scar across the surface is highly ra- radioactive. You may... You have made time an ally in the force. So this is what he wrote. Having seen the evidence presented by Dr. Brandenburg, I feel certain that we need to actively plan for a possible defense against whoever perpetrated the assault on Mars. In fact, as U.S. Space Command has access to all that data that he and his family have, as well as others and permanent data that exists out there, I'd be amazed to learn that our preparations have not been underway for a very long time. Ross Holcomb on Mysterious Universe comment, there are other possibilities as well, considering a very high-tech civilization where a few folks misapplied high-energy technology and it got out of hand, causing a severe explosion and a catastrophic a couple of million years ago. Perhaps a similar thing occurred on Earth about 13,000 years ago, resulting in a event sinking Atlantis and energetically causing the Bermuda Triangle and other anomalies to activate. It may have not been nuclear and may have been used, may have not been used in warfare. 
Another one says, I think it was a weapon. It was something much more powerful than nuclear bombs, something more advanced than we have now. All right, how to hurry back. Not natural. They say that some of the radioactive isotopes seem to be made by intelligent being, beings and not natural. That's what, yeah. And he says, uh, also due to the lack of atmosphere to erode, corrode the debris of a nuclear war. Where's all the wreckage? Wonder Twins activate. It's a good question. But is our wreckage up on the moon where we nuked it? I don't know. I've never heard of anything. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Have we been back up there since we nuked it? I don't think so. I don't know. Somebody's had to bed. <laughs> I mean, I know China went to the dark side of the moon. Um, another one, another uh, comment says, I believe that after a nuclear war broke out on Mars, the surviving Martians race emigrated to the Earth, building the pyramids and sphinx to represent the features on Mars so that when we were intelligent enough, we might discover that there was was a thriving, powerful ET race on Mars. So what a lot of people say, too, is that Mars and Martians came down anyway and fought with the Atlanteans. They can see some stuff we left up there. If Atlantis existed, then it could have well have sunk beneath the waves during ice tusks rebound when the ice suddenly melted about 13.5 years ago. Yeah, not not 13 years ago. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And the oceans also rose by 400 feet. Yeah, we're from... I'm not a Martian. I'm a Pleiadian. Pleiadian. (laughs) No, I don't know. But there you go. So what do you guys think? Do you think there was at one time... Martians on Mars, and did people knock them out? Yeah. Patrick said, well, with the time span involved, the wreckage of the buildings, etc., may be eroded away by now. Yeah, because you, you, you have no, not enough atmosphere. There's not enough particles to destroy metal, or there's no moisture, there's no air. <laughs> Says, I think there have been a few that have sunk for sure. Nicole says, I have no idea. <laughs> the only Martian I know is Marvin from Bugs Bunny. Well, what was Elf? He wasn't a Martian. He was some kind of creature. Oh, he was in the cryptozoology part of it? Mm-mm. No, because he was alien. Yeah, he was alien, but he wasn't a Martian. I'm not from Mars. I'm from the planet Uranus. A true blooded assholean. <laughs> Autographs offered after the show. <laughs> Andy, only you, I swear to God. <laughs> All right, let's not do that. What do you think you're invisible about? What? I, I'd suck. I've said just about everything that you said, besides high freaky. <laughs> I figured I wouldn't answer for freaky. <laughs> the seven sisters, yep, the Pleiadians. Yes, Elf 8, Pussycats. 
He did. He liked them cats. Unless she's talking about, yes, we're, no, because you said, you answered that too. Oh, the phone's ringing. I'm like, what's that noise? <laughs> There's a weird noise. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. <laughs> All right, so moving on, Chuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nine freaky encounters with the real men in black. There we go. I'm trying to call him to me again. Kind of believe in that theory that's behind the TV series, The 100. Did we watch the 100? I don't think so. I don't think so. No, cause when I think about the 100, I think about the dome. Yeah, that's a, that. But that was called the dome. Yeah. Or was I? Don't know. I can't remember. Welcome back, Heather. It's been so long. I don't know, but I watched debris last night. Sanity has stepped back in the room. What happened? Sanity has stepped back in the room. Heather's back. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Missy going to be talking about your fan club, Freaky. (laughs) Yeah, that does sound familiar. Elf was from Malmac. Yep. Okay, Amanda. Very cool. Oh, I know. It's good, right? I have to get Eddie to watch it after the show, if you will. The time it comes on, I'm usually in bed. I know, but we can watch it. Oh, on on your time. That's right. All right, ready? So, who are the real men in black? Depending on who you ask, the men in black are either another nutty UFO can... um, conspiracy, or they're part of a secret government agency designed to prevent the public from learning about UFOs. I don't think they're a conspiracy. I think they're real, and I think they're, I don't know what I think. No, Freaky, it doesn't have to be online for us to watch it. Thank you for the ice cream, Freaky Geek. Thank you, Freaky. Oh, there it is. Okay, set 97 years after a nuclear war has been destroyed has destroyed civilization, a spaceship housing humanity. Yeah, no, I don't think I watch that. Heather, I was, you know, I was going to say the same thing, but I figured she'd have just called me a smartass, so. <laughs> <laughs> Although we did watch Men in Black International. That was pretty, you yeah, fell asleep, was... though. Well, you know what? You didn't see the best part of it, though. That's what happens when you work at midnight or freaking 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> MIB have interviewed so many abductees denying their existence. Yeah, exactly. That's, I feel the same way, Andy. Denying their existence seems silly to me. Yes. I, we've heard so many stories about the men in black that you cannot rule them out as just being controversy or conspiracy. So the men in black has always, speaking of the men in black, Craig posted last night on how he hasn't, Craig Powell is, if you don't know who Craig Powell is, he's the one that was with Chad Kalick 
he's the Australian paranormal investigator and his team. Um, he posted last night, sorry, I haven't been around in that. And we're all like, you know, glad to hear you're okay and everything, you know. So I was reading with uh, Amanda. But I think about the men in black, I think of Craig when that happens, how he said that two guys showed up at his house, remember? Yep. And he goes, like, he could hear what they were saying, but he couldn't move. And he kept saying, like, they were mentioning, like, his kid's school and everything to him. And he's comprehending it. But all the while, he's thinking in his head, why can't I move? You know what I mean? That type of thing. So it's I'm telling you, if you haven't watched it, <laughs> they send 100 people back to Earth to see if it's available. Okay, now that sounds familiar. But I know I haven't watched it. Um, police, um, a police patrol watched a car that, excuse me, was a man in black car disappear in front of them in a parking space in the 1980s. I've heard about that, yeah. So I believe that it's a possibility for how other planets definitely would destruction. Right, yeah, definitely, Amanda. Yeah, how do you call that in, though? <laughs> Bob, you didn't see shit, right? <laughs> that's basically, but that's how things happened back then, too. Is, you know what I mean? Whether it be UFO or alien or men in black, something like that. Are you getting another cramp? Starting to. I might have caught this one in town, though. They were called for a strange car parked across the street from a family that reported a UFO. Yeah. Yeah, see? I mean... So the men in black always appear unannounced, usually clad in black business suits, and warn people to give up their give their research into UFOs or face dire consequences. So yeah, they they're like either give it up, don't even look into it, or things are going to happen. In many cases, the men in black have see, also seen aliens. In some accounts, they are aliens themselves, in some form of demonic supernaturals. Whatever they are, they just don't look right. <laughs> but why would the government want to suppress information about UFOs? As the theories go, it's because aliens are closer to us than you think. They might actually be everywhere. If ordinary citizens realize, not just people like us who look into it and think about aliens and UFOs, but actual just real not, not that we're not real, but, you know, real citizens that just don't think about things like that. If ordinary citizens realized just how real the threat was, there would be mass panic and a breakdown of social order. So I get it. Some folklorists, however, claim that the whole idea of men in black itself is a form of mass panic or psychological drama due to suggestibility and willingness to believe. Others, however, instinct, insist the men in black are part of a real government agency designed to prevent the public from learning the truth about UFOs. They also insist that their experiences are real and that anyone who thinks they're crazy is merely a tool of the government propaganda and manipulation. At the moment, there is no way to definitively declare whether the men in black are real or not because of their part in the secret government agency 
they might not have entirely kept the secret, but they prevented any conclusive evidence of their existence from leaking out to the public. It's reported that the men in black look strange. Yeah. And did not know about normal things that we all know. Yeah, like they're, I don't know. And, and exactly, make a sci-fi film about it so that everyone automatically assumes it's fantasy. Exactly, and that's what I believe they've done over the years. Is, you know, I mean, we've all heard the stories of George Lucas and Steven Spielberg sitting in, uh, you know, with the the, um, the 12 there, what are they called? Majestic 12? Yeah, the Majestic 12 meetings. Put it into the society so... It, it it um yeah my thing is fake yeah so but men in black do you definitely scare me i'm not going to lie um so here we go here's some stories as the dust settled from world war 2 and the usa launched into a cold war with russia paranoia paranoia, and conspiracies spread throughout the land. In this climate, a high-tension suspicion arose, the first mass sighting of a UFO in American history. The first known report of the mysterious stranger showing up and warning someone not to talk about their UFO encounters was in 1947 when Howard Dahl, with Howard Dahl, Howard Dahl, of course, is the first man ever to describe, that's where flying disc came from. Since then, there have been countless reports where people who claim to have witnessed aliens say that they were subsequently visited by men in black suits who warned them to keep quiet about their experience. Writer John Sherwood claims that his friend, Gray Baker, conducted the myth of the men in black in a 1956 book called they knew too much about flying saucers. Sherwood swears that Gray came up with the theory as a joke, similar to the rumors of how L. Ron Hubbard invented Scientology as part of a bet with another science fiction writer as to whether he'd be able to invent a successful religion. Whether or not Sherwood's story is true, this doesn't account for the fact that Howard Dahl's reporting of the Men in Black sighting predates Barker's alleged hoax by almost a decade. Since the 1997 release of the original Men in Black films, it is in its sequels, reports of encountering MIBs have remained fairly steady. There currently is no way to establish whether any claims made by the following stories were true, only that the true it's true that several people have claimed to experience um, ex- eerily similar things. The real MIB, yeah, the real MIB agent who made a coin disappear as a scare tactic. Dr. Hubert Hopkins has worked as a consultant on a UFO case in Maine. One evening, he received a phone call from someone perpetrating to be an activist in the UFO community, asking him if he could visit Hopkins to discuss the case. Only minutes later, the man arrived. The man was wearing a black suit and black tie. 
He had very unusual facial appearances with no hair or eyebrows, an extremely pale figure. Hopkins' dog began barking erratically the minute the man entered the home. After the bizarre visitor was finished questioning him about UFO, the UFO case, the visitor got even stranger. Here's how it went according to the website The Night Sky. The MIB informed Hopkins that there were two coins in Hopkins' pocket, which was correct, and asked him to remove one. Hopkins complied and held the coin, a shiny new penny, in the palm of his hand. The MIB told Hopkins to watch the coin closely. After a few minutes, the coin took on a silverly, silver, silvery appearance, and then appeared to be going out of focus. It began to fade and eventually disappear altogether. The MIB informed Hopkins that that coin would never be seen on this planet again. Then he inquired as to whether Hopkins was familiar with the alleged UFO abductee Barney Hill. Hopkins replied that he'd heard of Hill, but was under the impression that he had died in not too distant past. The MIB informed Hopkins that was correct, but Barney didn't have a heart attack, said the MIB, just like you no longer have a coin. It should be noted that Barney Hill actually died of cerebral hemorrhage, that the MI and the, the MIB then gently suggested that Hopkins destroy any material related to the UFO case. So what a scare tactic, though. Here, let me put this penny in your hand, and it'll disappear. <clears throat> That's just an old damn trick, though. But to have it dematerialize right in front of yeah. your eyes. What happened? I guess Scoots made a comment, and the chat just flew by. She thought somebody might have deleted it. Oh. She says she doesn't believe uh, MIB or human. <laughs> and I put some people do believe that's true. Right. No, Barney Hill was one of the first ever Barney and Betty Hill abductees that were at least they talked about. <laughs> Amanda's like, I did that with a quarter in the shoe. <laughs> Hopkins, extremely shaken by the encounter, followed the advice of the man and burned all the files that he related to had related to the case. While he had repeated phone troubles after the phone company said his line had been tampered with, maybe to a tap, he never saw the man again. Hey, what's up, star? Who came in? Matt, oh. star. Hey, Matt, how you doing, hon? I didn't see him. My chat flew by. I was in elementary and did the quarter in the shoe where it appeared in someone else's shoe. That's cool. <laughs> I agree, Heather. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> it's a magic trick. I can put it in one hand. And within minutes, it gets right out the other hand. Yep. yep. Like just... Number two, the doctor threatened by the men in black and told to stop his UFO research. Dr. Albert Bunder was a well-written well and extremely intelligent researcher who founded the International 
Flying Saucer Bureau. Excuse me. In 1955, his research was about to yield some serious fruit. As he prepared to unveil... Unveil or veil? Unveil a paper that would prove the U.S. government had, to one degree or another, covered up proof of UFOs. He planned to publish his findings in the Space Review. That was until he was visited by the men in black. Bender claims that three men, dressed all in black, visited him in his home and warned him against pursuing the topic of UFOs any further. The men left Bender scared for his life and immediately shut down all his research in the and the Flying Saucer Bureau. Many people who knew him claim that Bender was a changed man after his, this encounter. His later works were ramble, rambly, almost unreadable, and he seemed to live in life in constant anxiety and terror. He purported to still receive mysterious phone calls with nobody on the other end till the end of his life in 2002. No, that's veal. Yes, veal. Veal is something you eat with mashed potatoes and green beans. <laughs> I love you guys. You guys are too funny. I mean, but I might be likely reminded of the guy what happened to Tesla and all his work. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Number three, the Maury incident. Maury Island incident. Harold Dell and his son were salvaging logs on a fishing boat when they said, oh, Henry, D Harold Dell wasn't that. Oh, uh, what the? F I know. That's what I'm just, I'm having in a, a what the fart moment. I thought Harold Dell was the first one to coin UFO, flying disc. Apparently not. But I do remember this one. Harold Dell and his sons were salvaging logs on a fishing boat when they said, spied six donut-shaped crafts flying in the air above them. The crafts dropped molten waste into the land, which allegedly kills his doll's dog and injures his son. A few... <laughs> Excuse me. Bless you. Thank you. A few days later, after talking about the affairs with his, uh, affairs with his boss and friends, he was visited by a mysterious man dressed in all black. The man urged him not to discuss the encounter. Not long after, he was also visited by several Air Force agents who said to be on a mission to, to gather information. Dull's story definitely got the attention of various law enforcement agents in the United States, leading to FBI to write a report on the matter. And in this article... Um, okay. Okay, thank you. I'm not Jewish. But yeah, thank me you. either. I'm far from Shalom, it. no. Yep, shalom. Um, I Hitler. I'm German. Oh, stop. <laughs> um, true. Well, you are German, yes. <laughs> um, I forgot what I was going to say now. Sorry. Oh, in this, you know, all the descriptions are in the description, or all the links are in the description below. And that's. Um, there is a uh, picture with the, um, the FBI report in it. So not long after the encounter with the men in black, Dahl seen, claimed that the whole thing was a hoax. 
but recanted years after having allegedly made the first confession under duress. I think Scoops is confused. We're not talking about religion. We're talking about nationalities. <laughs> <laughs> go, Bender, go. Thank you guys for <laughs> the bless you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Because in the links above, there is no links on above, freaky geek. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Number four is the Solway Firth Spaceman photo invites a government visit. Now, remember, do you guys remember that picture I showed with the little girl with the, the astronaut behind her? Do you remember that? Okay. So if this was a hoax, why would this? Okay. Jim Templeton was shocked to discover this figure in the background of the photo of his daughter. He figured the figure was not in the camera's view when he took the photo, and nobody had any idea where it came from. The film was verified as authentic by Kodak, and Templeton's story went public. Not long after, he was visited by two government agents who referred to themselves as number nine and number ten. They, it's the men in black. They demanded to see the site of the photo and questioned Templeton about this event. <laughs> um, when Templeton told them that he didn't see the figure, the figure personally, the men became angry and stormed out of the field. Never to be seen again. Number five is live. Johnny Five is live. That's one of your favorite movies, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Templeton was later contacted by two employees at the missile launch pad in Australia who claimed that they saw two figures that resembled a man in the daughter his daughter's photo on the launch pad security footage. Apparently, the missiles at the site in Australia had been produced only 20 miles away from the field where Templeton took the photo. Hey, Diva 13. Hey, Blue-Eyed Diva 13. How are you? Thank you so much for the limon. I appreciate it. Was that Nicole? That was Nicole. And it's still Nicole. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> damn it, Andy. Uh, if she starts singing that, I'm just going to start yelling cookie. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Thank you for thank you so much, Nick, for the lamol. So yeah, um, why would they get mad? Why would they? Get, why would they get mad that he didn't see the UFO or the astronaut guy in the picture? Oh. That's what I don't understand, why they would get mad. You're the best. It doesn't make sense why they would get mad, but... Yeah. This is this story right here is my first ever 
MIB story that scared me about the MIBs. This is the first one that um, I ever heard, and it was the one that turned me on to looking into the MIB. So Paul Miller was returning home after a hunting trip when they saw a luminous disk in the sky. The disk landed in an empty field, and two humanoids emerged from the craft. Miller fired a gun at them and believed to have injured one of them when he fled down a rural road in his car. However, in that moment, he realized he had lost time. It was almost three hours later than when it, he first encountered the craft. He shrugged it off and went back to his Air Force job the next day. However, upon entering um, work, he immediately confronted by the three men in black suits. They told him that they had, they had his file Despite having told nobody about the event, the men said that they knew all about it and mentioned that the encounter would be best forgotten. Paul says, they seem to know everything about me, where I worked, my name, everything else, Miller said. They also asked questions about his experience as if they already knew the answer. Um, Miller, terrified, did not come forward about his experience until years later. We don't talk about basically. Heather's got them. Okay. Yeah. I. I. I yeah. I was going to say. I something. love my mods. <laughs> I, I was going to say something, but Heather's got them. Okay. All right. All right. My bad. My bad. My bad. That's not the one that I was first heard about, but that was um the real Men in Black documentary. That was uh, that's what I thought they were going to talk about. Um. And that freaked that freaked me out. If that makes sense. You wait for it to happen here in about three, two, one. <laughs> right. <laughs> so the next story: radio personality harassed by journalists for talking about UFOs. Thank you, Heather. Danny Gordon. Well, was, that's, that's a new uh, one there, Amanda. That you know, is a new one. I like that. Luigi. Luigi. <laughs> I felt like him on a couple different days. <laughs> I had to actually scroll back because I was like, what the hell was that? <laughs> right. Danny Gordon was a radio personality who became interested in a flurry of Rice County UFO sightings. <laughs> See, this is why you mods rock. That's right. Multiple people across the county claimed to have seen bizarre objects in the sky, and Gordon decided to investigate. Gordon became obsessed with getting photos of the objects, including one time where an entire school bus of students saw UFOs flying over a shopping mall as Gordon took photos. Eventually, Gordon snapped a few photos at extremely close range that allegedly verified were not they were not of this world. However, strange things began happening to Gordon. He received a phone call from a man who claimed to be ex-military and warned him that his research could cost him everything and urged him to stop 
for his family's sake. Hey, Gordon. Rain. Hey, Rain. How you doing, hon? Welcome, welcome. Gordon was also interviewed by two men in black, uh, men in black suits who claimed to work for a magazine publication. Not long after the interview, Gordon realized that all of his photos were missing. I remember this story. He contacted the magazine for information, and they claimed to have never heard of him, much less commissioned an article about him. Not long after Gordon suffered a heart attack, and his doctors warned him that all the research and stress was jeopardizing his health. Gordon gave up the story, and he was never bothered again. <laughs> This is the one. This is the one. This was the. I swear to God, it's this one. I read read ahead. This out is, of order. Yes, this is the first story that I ever heard. Um. Oh, okay, Patrick. All right. Um. This is the first Men in Black story I ever heard, and it's got me into researching about them. It's got me scared too. <laughs> Number seven, UFO researchers harassed at home by a real MIB. UFO researcher Jack Robinson and his wife Mary began experiencing extreme, strange events as they pursued more alien UFO-related research. They would come home to find their house rummaged and looked through, and their UFO files disturbed. Mary also began to notice a strange man in black. Um, in a black suit and hat, staring up at their apartment from the doorway. Mary mentioned this activity to a friend who drove over and saw that she was what she was talking about for himself. The friend, Tim Green Beckley, snapped a photo above of the man, which is believed to be one of the most ironclad pieces of proof in the Men in Black. See if I can open this up. I will share this photograph. This, Like I said, this was the first ever photograph, first MIB. That got me into, or MIB encounter, that got me into researching. Okay, let's do that. Share the screen. Share. There we go. Take down chat. Let's not try to hit any buttons. Can you see that okay, hon? It's very yeah. I remember this photo. Yep. And, and then when he, he he looked away, when he looked back, the guy was gone. Yes. That was the first ever photo that I saw, and the first story I ever read about. It's crazy. Kind of like the watchers too. Yeah. Yeah. That's the story that got me into doing all the, well, at least about the MIB. I don't know, Andy, do they even have eyes? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I just know that they look weird. Is he talking about MIBs? Well, I'm guessing he asked, he asked did they wear glasses to this day to, to hide their black eyes? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fresh out of the 1800s. Yes, and that was one of the things, too, because if you look at the, you can tell it was in the 70s with the vehicles that were around there. 
And this, and that was one of the claims that this guy looked very out of place for the date that they took that picture. But that was my very first story. Number eight, professor harassed in library for reading UFO book. Professor Peter Rudjewitz, yeah, I don't know the last name. I want to say Wojohowicz from Barney Miller. But um, Peter Rudjewitz. Peter R. Yeah, Peter R. Claimed that he was reading a UFO <laughs> book in the library when a strange pale man wearing all black sat down next to him. The man began talking to the professor and asked him about what his opinion was on flying saucers. The professor replied that he wasn't super interested, and the man became very agitated. He eventually left, leaving Pro Professor R extremely uncomfortable and anxious. He did not reveal this story until many years later when he finally gave a lecture on the subject. He remains convinced the Men in Black official who confronted him in the library and to this day is trying to find more people who have had similar experiences. Well, why would an MIB be, be in... Yeah, that's, that's the name, Andy. Good job. <laughs> you see that? <laughs> What's his name? <laughs> you would think that they would want to dress more like the time period they're in so they wouldn't stand out. Yet... I don't know. I think that they're just that way because they know it's intimidation. Like, everybody knows what the MIBs look like, what they're dressed like. So I think it adds to the more intimidation of them. True. I've seen that, Patrick. Yes, there are. there's a video online with two MIBs walking into the hotel looking for someone and said it was in the 2000s and they were dressed. Maybe he just came back from dinner with Lincoln. <laughs> like men in the 50s with suits and hats. Yes. I've seen that video many times. And of course, number nine is the story of Dan Aykroyd, which I've talked about before. But we'll... And he was, he was downright spooked. Yeah, yeah. After Dan Aykroyd's show shut down by the MIB. Dan Aykroyd has come forward with his story about how he was taping a show about the paranormal. He stepped out to take a phone call from Britney Spears, of all people, who was asking them to appear on Saturday Night Live with her. When he noticed a black Ford parked across the street, a tall man stepped out of the Ford and stared him down. Aykroyd turned away for a moment and then turned back to find that the man in the car had completely vanished. After he finished his phone call, he returned to the studio to learn that his show had been canceled and he was ordered to stop filming immediately. Some doubt his claim, but Eckert says he knew what he saw and maintains that there was some kind of connection between those MIB and the end of his paranormal show. Well, Scoots, I didn't know that. Dan Eckert's mom was a well-known medium. I did not know that as well. I knew... I remember him talking about his mom, but I don't know. Yes, Nicole, he is one of the Buddhist brothers. <laughs> but I remember, I remember him talking when he's telling you the story. Like, when he turned away, it was quick. He was like, okay, Brittany, yes. He turned away, and then he turned back like that, and they were gone. And he said, he looked both ways down, and he goes, there's no way 
that they could have gone down the street without him knowing or seeing, at least turning back and seeing either the taillights or them driving in the way he was looking. Oh, really, Amanda? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and the last story is, I knew they were evil. Someone who has written, talking, this is from Ned Redfern over at Mysterious Universe, because we, we love Mysterious Universe. As someone who has written five books on the Men in Black issue, and on related topics such as women in black, I get a great deal of feedback. The most recent development surfaced on April 28th of this year, which was last year, I'm thinking. Um, when a source, we haven't hit April yet. <laughs> yeah. When a source using the alias of Be Intelligent sent me a strange but intriguing story involving not just one MIB, but three of them. And here's how the story in the source's own words read. I am 55 years old and have known about MIB since the 70s. Personally, the majority of these visits are, in my opinion, demon, demonically orchestrated. I have learned, due to my belief system, not to make these events complicated. It is exactly what it portrays itself to be. Having the gift of discernment reveals that these hybrids are that is all that is evil. I call the feelings and smells are all symptoms of demonic encounter. If you agree with me, then then obvious next conclusion is that these so-called aliens are also demonic, demonic, not demonic, demonic. And what does demonic dwell in? They dwell in the shadows. They do not want to be found out. UFO encounters out of them. UFO encounters out them and their hybrids and satanic agendas. After all, it was all about soul collecting, is it not? I reside on the west coast of Lake Michigan. My front door faces directly eight miles from an active nuclear power plant that is within months being decommissioned. The process can take up to 20 years. I live in the hot zone range of this old, very old planet or plant not planet it's an old planet but for three years due to living in the hill with a spectacular view of the open sky i have witnessed ufo activity coming directly from the nuclear power plant and fly slowly right over my head with incredible lightning and maneuvers like your father mentioned to you including complete standstill hovering I've also felt that I have been discovered witnessing this and that um, I have some sort of acknowledgement from the crafts. It's hard to explain. I just know that they know I see them. And that's true. I've heard a lot of people say that, that like when they see a craft, like they know instantly that they know that you're watching them watching you. Do you know yes. what I mean? I just know that know what I see them. Usually I witness them around 11 p.m. and beyond. Hey, Linz. Hey, Linz. How you doing, hon? Welcome, welcome. Anyhow, something different happened 
last August 2017. As I stated, I live on a hill with a steep drop-off approximately 30 feet from my door. This is a brand new apartment complex and a very short road runs in front of my back patio door. I should have originally said I'm witnessing these events from my back patio. The radio, or the radio, the road runs, my mouth is just going to make words that I'm not even seeing. The road <laughs> runs to the right for about 100 feet and turns right in front of, in front of the complex. Around 1 a.m., I felt compelled to go out onto the patio and look right. Now, below the hill is nothing but woods. I saw three very tall, slender men coming up the hill onto the road in perfect formation, walking extremely slow, dressed completely the same in all black, and, and suddenly stopped. Hmm. Until three turned their heads directly towards me and just stood still. That would creep me out. I'm not going to lie. Bit, yeah. <laughs> not even going to lie. It seemed like minutes, but I don't think it was. I actually felt like an electric charge go from my feet straight up my back up to my head. Not only that, the fear I felt and also a sickness in my stomach was nothing I've ever ever felt in my lifetime. Thank you so much, Freaky Geek, for the Lamon. I knew that they were evil. They slowly moved their heads in complete synchronized fashion forward and slowly, and I mean slowly, continued to walk forward and disappear from sight. I know exactly what I just witnessed. That was pure evil. Now, with that being said, I don't know if it was a warning a visit or what, but I have not spoken about this event until now. Summer is almost here again, and I wonder what I'll witness. That kind of, yeah, I don't know if I want to know what I'm going to witness. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I totally feel you on that. <laughs> we'll just keep that one a secret. <laughs> um, yeah, seriously, I don't, wow. The three markers, three men, black tight figures walking in synchronized fashion. Yeah, it's it's definitely. Mm. It's creepy. <laughs> That's what it is. It's freaking creepy. I'm not going to lie. Why is word coming up? I don't know. Are you pushing it? Am I pushing word? Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that is, I'm sorry, but that, yeah, to see that, I wonder how slow, like I'm trying to imagine the slow movement of all three. Yeah, that would freak me out. I would be in the house. Yeah. I'm Four not even going to lie. Shotgun in here. Yeah. Was a proverbial serpent in the Garden of Eden the original MIB? <laughs> Maybe. They've been seen in force, etc. Usually accompanied with time slips, lost time, and nausea. Can't hear you. Who? 
They have been seen in forests, etc. And usually, I wasn't trying to speak up. I know, but on the podcast, honey, you have to. I like that's what I like. Is you got a bigger mouth than I got. <laughs> and you're, you, you stumble in two words. So, <laughs> strange word says they have been seen in forests, etc. And usually, accompanied by time slips, lost time, and nauseous and lost memories, and ending up far from where they were the first time they saw them. Yes. Yes, it is. No, it was the Slytherin before Harry Potter was thought up, Andy. Right? That that wasn't a Slytherin. That was a Basilisk. And that was a lower level thing back in the day. It's all on my forums. <laughs> Along with the pager. <laughs> that was funny. To see that note and it says, turn off your pager, I was like, oh my God, this is old. <laughs> Story of my life, Andy. See, that's right, Andy. How do you speak out? You in trouble with your wife. You mumble and you get even more trouble. That's right. It would be scary to see those guys. Hell yeah. I mean, you thought what was just voodoo? <laughs> now listen, all you guys out there, don't be they're talking shit. They're starting to understand my position here. <laughs> don't be talking <laughs> shit. Come on now. I didn't get to the black shuck story. I'm gonna have to have a story day of just all the stories that I have um, that I did didn't get through. Hey, we didn't hold you up today. That's true. That's true. I will say that. Oh, the whole thing before Potter? What, the basilisk? Thank you, Nicole. She's got my back. Yeah, a lot of good that's doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, the basilisk, it could be of the hoodoo ver- version. Definitely could be. Still got to finish that cutoff. What was it? You got to remind me what it was, Freaky Geek. We should down to you. said you had a room down. And <laughs> it's probably in my notes. Oh, Slytherin. Okay. <laughs> That's okay, Lance. No worries. Um, I don't remember what we were talking about Friday night, that Friday night that I was supposed to carry on over to Monday. I do. I remember having a good conversation. And the electric went, boop. It was the MIB. It was the MIB. They cut us off. They did not want us talking about that. Whatever it was we were talking about. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you. All right, guys. Let me get on over to D-Live. No, it's it's actually, Andy, it's a a snack that's uh, dumped in the scope. Listerine. What the hell are you talking about? Listerine, Andy. <laughs> it's Slytherine. Oh. Is that a snack coated with Vaseline? Oh. I said, no, it's one you dump in Listerine. <laughs> Lord. You're the best. You scared me. <laughs> you scared me. Come to Oh, what the fuck? I know. That's what I'm saying, man. Because just as I clicked on D Live, that that came up. I'm like, what did I hit? 
All right, guys, start hyping up that chat for the Lamones to come out. You're afraid to go camping anymore? I'm afraid of bears. Since I've lived here, I'm telling you. Um, since I thank you for the ice cream lens, I appreciate it. Um, since I lived here, hey Joy, hi Joy, how you doing, hon? Um, yeah, since I've lived here, I've since the bear, I, I mean, being used to the bears coming into town and stuff like that. I'm scared of woods now. I'm very scared. I think because I realize now how big they are. I mean, you can only, you know, speculate watching them on TV. But now that they come into um, the town and, and, and out, of the, out of the tree lines and then walk down the middle of the road and shit. Yeah. But I'm waiting for the day she actually, we actually catch a, uh, a good-sized bear, and he stands up on his hind legs. No, we're not even going to go near anything that where that would happen. <laughs> <laughs> I know, that did sound like bad. That's what made me stop, Skook, was I was reading that, and I'm just like, wow. <laughs> but you, you, get, you get one to stand up on his hind legs, and he's got his snout way up in the air, fucking mouth wide open, and he's just huffing away. Yep, he, 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 he's got your flavor in his mouth now. <laughs> And Linz, thank you so much, hon. We love you as well. Absolutely. Heather, great job. Thank you for taking care of that earlier. I noticed I noticed you had it under control. That's why I didn't say a word. <laughs> yes, thank you. Oh, Linz, you were supposed to let us know when you were going live. That's right, dang it. What's up with that? <laughs> I see where we right now. I know. Aw. All right, everybody, I want to say hugs to the ladies, fist bumps to the guys. Stay safe, stay strong. We'll get through this. See you guys tomorrow. I didn't load the credits, so the credits aren't going to be played today. I'm sorry, guys. I do want to say, before everybody goes, listen to me. I do want to say, well, thank you for being here, Anton. Thank you. Um, Nicole, thank you so much. She has done so much. She's helped me so much in the groups and everything. If you guys aren't in the group over on Facebook, make, the link's right there. Look at that. I knew I was talking about it. Um, get on over to that group. She puts so much good information in the group. And I want to say thank you so much, Nicole, for it's taken enough off me to where I don't feel overwhelmed anymore. And I, I just appreciate you. I really do. And now that I'm putting more stuff on, um, the forums and everything. Uh, it just gives me that time to put more stuff on the forums. So I thank you, Nicole, for everything you're doing. Exactly, Freaky Geek. At least you made it into the show. Exactly, Joe. I'm just glad you're here, hon. I really am. All right, guys. I am opening up the chest right now. Boom. The chest is open, so if it didn't pop up for you, hit on the chest, and it should pop up, hopefully. <laughs> 20 seconds. But I thank you guys so much for being here. It, it really, I, I love talking to you guys. I really do, and sharing the stories with you and that. 
I really love being here. Thank and you, Joy. Thank you, Joy, for the lemon. I appreciate it. Three seconds, guys. Hurry up. Well, you just have to let us know when you go live. <laughs> Actually, I got to find your channel so I can uh, sub, so I can turn on notifications. Thank you for the lemons, Heather. The lemons. I would definitely love that, Limbs. I would, I would definitely love that. Um, freaky geek, I've never noticed that the chest actually opens up. Patrick, you are awesome. Heather got 63.8 Lamons. Patrick got 37.1. Nicole got 27.1. Freaky Geek got 21.7. And Amanda got 18.3. Thank you, Rain, for the Lamon. Joy got 12.9. That's awesome. Awesome. I love it when everybody gets Lamons. And only being here for four minutes. You are very welcome for being here. Or you're very welcome for being here. <laughs> you're very welcome for the lemons. <laughs> Thank you so much. You guys are awesome. And tomorrow is Thursday. I forgot what I have scheduled for Thursday. Lynn's got 15.1. Awesome. I love it. Love it. Um, but Thursday is more spiritual and witchy stuff. Hopefully you'll come in and join us then. And um you're the best. You're the best. You guys are all the best. I appreciate each and every one of you. We appreciate each and every one of you. All right. Until tomorrow, guys, remember, find something that makes you smile with your eyes. I love you guys. Have a good day. <laughs>